We have got a, I believe, a, a very crucial lesson tonight. I'm going to do my best to teach and uh, give you some solid scriptural understanding of the love of Christ and uh, um, what it, how it impacts us uh, as individuals and as the church. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse number 13, I do ask this congregation, congregation to continue in prayer. Please continue in prayer for these folks that need miracles. God is able to do it. And I ask that you continue in prayer for China. We didn't mention that, but folks, they had a record number of people die in one day yesterday. And I'm assuming that it's going to be worse today. And there's over a thousand folks that have died and unfortunately the government there um, is not handling it necessarily in the best way that they can. And a lot of people are suffering, including most likely brethren. There are apostolics in China. There's plenty. And they're underground because they have to be. But maybe, just maybe, this will bring their headiness down and they'll realize that communism doesn't work. Wouldn't that be incredible if all of a sudden they begin to look towards uh, the example of a non-communist nation? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 13. Beginning in verse number 13. 2 Corinthians 5 beginning in verse number 13. And if you can stand and honor the Word of God, please do so. If you can't, we fully understand. Now look, this is the Apostle Paul. He said, for whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. So apparently his behavior got a little wild sometimes. In fact, there was a place that, 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 that uh, one of the, one of the uh, leaders said, Paul, much learning has made you mad. Hallelujah, you're crazy, bud. And the world might think we're crazy, but I'm telling you, Jesus doesn't think we're crazy. Hallelujah, he does not think we're crazy. So he said, the, he said, for whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. And, uh, and you know, when we worship, that's to God. And that's why we dance and shout and get beside ourselves. Hallelujah. And then there's times you just got to be sober and give good, solid teaching. But that's not my subject tonight. Verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. So he said, the love of Christ constraineth us. And really... Understanding that everyone needs God. Everyone needs God. There's no big eyes and little U's in this thing, folks. Then verse 15. And that he died for all. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. This is the Christian life. We live for God. I'm not worried about my bank account anymore. I'm not worried about a great career and rising to the top. If God wants to do it, great if it's in His will. But really, we're trying to live for God and do His will. Step right into His will. Verse number 16. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. This is very, very important, folks. Your past doesn't matter anymore when you come to God. We don't know you according to the flesh, according to your past, according to the things that were done in your past. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. What is he talking about? We know him as the Holy Ghost. It's Christ in you. The hope of glory. There's not a physical human Jesus here, but the body now is us filled with his spirit. Think about that. We're supposed to be doing what Jesus did. Hallelujah, because we're his body physically. Verse 17, what a beautiful scripture. And this is the promise of true Christianity. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I want to go back to verse number 14 briefly. For the love of Christ constraineth us restricts us, binds us in a very real sense. Paul said, I'm a slave now to Jesus. Hallelujah. So I want to talk for a little bit tonight on this subject, constrainment in Christ's love. Being constrained, being in a sense bound in Christ's love. Let's pray and ask God to have his way. 
Hallelujah. Jesus, you're so good to us. Your word is so powerful, so true. Lord, I pray that you would have your way in the rest of this service. Uh, anoint your servant, Lord. I stand before you as nothing. Anoint my lips and everything that leaves them is fully inspired of your spirit. And, oh, God, let us leave this house with greater knowledge and greater understanding of your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's clap our hands unto him. Hallelujah. The great God and Savior. None like unto him. Hallelujah. There's none like unto him. Woo. Glory. You can take your seats if you like. Praise our God. God is good all the time. All the time. How many appreciate Sister Paul playing tonight by herself? Hallelujah. Apparently she feels about the same as Leah. So, you know, if I come knocking on your door saying I'm staying at your house tonight because I don't want to get sick, I hope you open up. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, I'll find out who loves me. <laughs> yeah. I just hope we didn't get nothing on that cruise, you know. <laughs> Coronavirus has a seven-day incubation period. So, uh, well, that wasn't funny. It does worry me, folks. It does worry me. It really does. And, uh, you know, there's a cruise now out in Japan. They're quarantining the ship, and there's over 100 people that are sick. And, uh, but, but don't worry. We're not going to get you sick. <laughs> but anyway, we need to pray about that situation. So the word here, constraineth, in, in the original Greek is, um, is sunecho. Sunecho. And it, it literally has a plethora of different meanings it really does and uh but in this particular context uh, um i think that it has has unique meaning about the christian life uh, and uh in, in in this particular realm uh one of the meanings of this word is is uh, of a strait that forces a ship into a narrow channel so so shipping Shipping places, uh, they will bring ships and force them into a narrow channel as they start going into locks, etc., like the Panama Canal. Uh, another place, it says, of a cattle squeeze, where they literally will force cattle into a single place so that they can deal with the cattle. And another place, it says, to be held, held by closely occupied with any business. To be held by are closely occupied with any businesses. This is a multifaceted word. You know, we have words that have multiple meanings. This is one of those. And then one other one, it says to urge and impel of the soul. And so this word constraineth really speaks about an individual in Christ because of the love of Christ having a very channeled lifestyle and a very channeled interaction with the world. It was Jesus himself that said we need to go in at the straight gate, the narrow path. And true Christian living is a, a narrow path, a narrow lifestyle. And I know people would say we might be narrow-minded, but you're going to have to be narrow-minded in some cases if you're going to make it to heaven, friend. Yeah. Hallelujah. But the love of Christ itself, that love of Jesus and our love for him is what puts us into this narrow path. It is not a object fear of God that puts us into this path. It is a love of God. Yeah. And we're going to start. There's two, really two levels of constraint that I want to focus on in the rest of this lesson tonight. The first is God's love for us and our love for him. There are a lot of things that I don't do because I love my wife. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of things I do because I love my wife. Typically, I'm the one in the morning getting her a cup of coffee. I bring it to her bed every, every morning. Although every once in a while, when I'm exhausted, I'll turn around, she'll do the same thing for me. You know, I am very, very, very careful when I speak to a female. You say, why? You're gonna be tempted? No, not really. I don't think I will be. But I don't want my wife to even, even worry a lick. Because I love her. So there's this, there's this constraint, and it's because we love God, and we're going to focus that on that first. In the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16, uh, it is such a well-known scripture, and I do believe it's applicable here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God, the Creator, of the world is an eternal spirit. God came 
in human form. But let me tell you that humanity was just as much God as he was the son of God. In yeah. fact, the scripture calls him the son of man and the son of God. Yeah. And God gave, gave that sacrifice, uh, hallelujah, for us because he loved us so much. Jesus said, you don't take my life from me. I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I can pick it back up again. Hallelujah. And he did. Jesus said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up again. And the scripture says, God, the father raised Jesus Christ up again. How can that be other two? No, there's God, the eternal spirit, which dwelt completely in a human body. Does this make sense? I mean, love the truth. Praise God. So God so loved the world. Again, in Romans 5 and 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. The Bible tells us that, that it might be that, that some would die for a good man, yeah. for a good cause. He said, but Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. Yeah. We were enemies That's to the cross, amen. but he still died for us. What love, what yeah. manner of love amen. hath the Father bestowed upon us? First John 4 and 10, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Yeah. The whole incarnation of God, the whole humanity, remember Jesus had to pray just as much as he answered prayer. Jesus got hungry just as much as he broke the bread and fed the thousands. Jesus healed just as much as he physically got sick and got beaten. Hallelujah. Fully God and fully man and came as the perfect lamb of God Amen. to take away our sins. So while we were yet sinners, Christ came to be our Passover. Hallelujah. John 13 and 1 puts it this way, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, this is now his humanity, and he resurrects, and by the way, you read 1 Corinthians, the later part of the chapter, you will find that the sonship will be done away with. Yeah. It's there in the book. It's not one person being destroyed, no, no, it's just, it's just a revelation of God. Not necessary anymore because we will see him as he is Amen. in heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. But it says here now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. All the way to Calvary. He said, for this purpose was I born. Can you imagine understanding your end from about eight to ten years old he knew that he was going to a cross he understood that he was going to suffer he understood all of those things and then he comes and begins a public ministry and does the most marvelous works miracles upon miracles he knew that some of those folks that he was going to heal would later turn and say crucify him yeah now that's love folks yeah that is absolute love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we love God because he first loved us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Again, Romans 8 and 38, something about this wonderful love of God. He's all writing, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The scripture says God is love. And when you look at Jesus, you're looking love right in the face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. So this great love that God has for us has impacted us. And so again, the scripture tells us John and by the way, John was called the apostle of love. And it was John that leaned upon the chest, the breast of Jesus at the Last Supper. And, and there was this tight relationship. No, not a homosexual relationship like the world wants to teach. No, this was a manly, godly relationship and, and a deep love relationship. And John, the apostle of love, his writing is much about love. But let me tell you, love doesn't give an excuse 
for wrong. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But John said we love him because he first loved us. It started out with God's love towards this old sinner boy. I didn't deserve to be set free from my alcohol and my tobacco and my perverse jokes and my foul mouth and all of those things that were part of my past. Hallelujah. I didn't deserve the grace, but thank God he loved me enough to pull me out of the pit. He loved me enough to get his hands dirty. He loved me enough to have blood ready to wash away all my sins when I was baptized in his name. How many love him? Hallelujah. He set me free. He set me free. Hallelujah. Can I tell you the moment I came out of that water, the first words English that came out of my mouth, I came out of the water speaking in tongues. The first words English that came out of my mouth was, I'm a free man now. I knew the chains of the tobacco addiction was gone. I knew the chains of the alcohol addiction was gone. I went home and told my wife and she kind of chuckled because I'd already been to the altar where I accepted the Lord as my personal savior. I'd already been to the other church where I just believed on Jesus and they waved their hand over me and they said, you're saved. I've been to the church where people fall down hallelujah hit their head and don't get changed at all other than a headache hallelujah so she started laughing but two days later when she realized uh, that i wasn't smoking i wasn't drinking i was going through midterms at duke and i was happy as a lark hallelujah she realized this is the real deal and she got baptized in jesus name thank god for the love hallelujah Lester, I got baptized first. I told you, you do what you're supposed to do, and someone will follow you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And so, so we love him because he first loved us. In the book of Galatians, Paul writes about this walk, this walk with God, and it's a walk because of love. Galatians 5 and 6, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor on circumcision. And he's dealing with folks that were trying to put Jewish law and uh, Abrahamic, uh, Abrahamic covenant on these new Christians. And there was a great discussion. Do they need to follow the law and be circumcised and all of that? And they had a council that no, no, the Gentiles don't need any of this. But he said, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. But faith, so faith is, is it, right? We believe which worketh by love. Yeah, amen. Amen. It is a tragedy today that people have faith enough for miracles. But it's not working by love, it is working by covetousness and pride. Hear me now. We'll get there. Hear me now. There are people that have faith and see miracles, but that faith is not working by love because Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments John 14 and 15 so not everyone that has miracles is doing it through the faith that worketh by love yes they have faith but that faith is for producing things for a whole nother reason but God honors faith Matthew chapter 7 records that there's going to be many many people that are going to call him Lord in the day of judgment and they have prophecies in his name. They will have cast out devils in his name. They will have done great miracles in his name. And Jesus will say, away from me, I never knew you. Yeah. And that new is intimacy. It's a love relationship. Hallelujah. So, so love, when you have faith that it's because you love God, it is a totally different explosive experience. And it's wonderful. When your faith is being worked because of love, because of love. So, so Jesus said in John 14 and 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So I'm talking about constrainment in Christ's love. Just as there are things that I don't do because I love my wife, there are many things that I don't do and I also do because I love Christ. I love Jesus. And I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to do things that are contrary to his will. And I don't want to do things that are contrary to his work. And so my lifestyle changed tremendously when I got filled with the Holy Ghost and began to see things and notice things and said, whoa, whoa, this doesn't quite jive with the spirit that I've got in me. This doesn't quite fit with the love of God. And, and, and all of a sudden, I, I find myself not wanting to do things that I used to want to do. And Paul writes about this and finding myself having, having desire and pleasure in things that I never, ever desired to do before. And it's that love of God channeling us 
into that beautiful relationship and walk with him. The love of Christ constrains us. But it's not a negative constraint. It's a wonderful constraint. A river with no banks becomes a swamp. We need God to channel us. And so the scripture really does tell us that if we truly love him, we will keep his commandments. And he said, my commandments are not grievous. They're not hard. When you love God, you begin to realize that everything he ordained in this book is for your own good. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Everything. It, 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 it's good for your heart, mind, and soul and produces a life that is, is free from the tragedies of the results of sin. It's a wonderful thing. John 14 and 23, Jesus, now speaking, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. That means yeah. do them. He will guard them. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Is that two people? No, there's not two people. That is the Spirit of God and the body of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Because the body of Christ today is the body of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Yes. Isn't Amen. God good? You know, in the book of 1 John chapter 2, the apostle of love speaks about love. Oft times, love one for another and love for God, but he also speaks about love that's destructive. In 1 John 2 and 15, he said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. When you have that love relationship with God and you truly love God, your focus is not on this life. It's not on the world. It's not on the pleasures of the world. It is on the spirit and the presence of God at his right hand. There are pleasures forevermore. It's on his kingdom. It's on his will. It's on eternal life. It's on heaven. It's on seeing and being with him forever. It's on the marriage supper of the lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the world just kind of fades away. And the love of the world just kind of fades away. He defines this love of the world. He says, love not the world, neither the things of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You cannot escape that verse, folks. You can't say, I love Jesus on Sunday and go out partying on Saturday night. It doesn't work. It's a lie. You can't say, I love Jesus and hate your brother. The book says you're a liar. It actually says that. John said that, the apostle of love. And so love constrains us. There's just things we don't get involved with anymore because we love God. And so, so he said, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, these three elements are the basic foundations of what brings sin is not of the Father but of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Amen. What an awesome feel. Amen. And you know, the reality of it is, you look at much of what happens around us today and the things that are going on, it fits into these three different things that are in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We're talking about the lust of the flesh. We live in a body beautiful society. In about two months, people will be talking about getting their bikini body, yeah. the beach body, yeah. so they can go out and show off and, 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 and produce unholy desires in the opposite or maybe perhaps the same sex today. Yeah. Am I telling the truth? Yeah. Folks, that's the lust of the flesh. Yeah, that's right. that's exactly the number one business on the internet is pornography. That's the yeah. lust of the flesh. Do I believe in censoring? You bet I do. I would yeah. to God they get rid of all that junk. I really do. You ask anybody that's in jail for rape and that kind of violent stuff, and they will all admit it started with pornography. Yeah. It really yeah. did. Uh, violent movies, violent and wicked uh, video games. I mean, there's video games where you, can, you get points for raping people in first yeah. person. Grand Theft Auto. How crazy is that? And killing people, etc. This is all, and when you get the Holy Ghost and you've got the love of God, let me tell you, it's like oil and water. It doesn't mix. Yeah. There's, you lose this desire. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. And, and, and all of a sudden, what the world treasures becomes nothing but dung to you. Yeah. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Right. He said, I count it all but dung. Yeah. Hallelujah. Manure. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
my wife and I filled with, yeah, that's truth, hallelujah. My wife and I filled with the Holy Ghost. We went to turn on our favorite television program, and we both looked at it with Holy Ghost glasses. We got a real, a real dose. We looked at him like, my goodness, this is wicked. It was a family program, but and we never understood all the innuendo and the wickedness that they're beginning to push into kids. And by the way, you say you might like Disney. You need to go talk to Brother Frost. He'll tell you what they're embedding in those cartoons. Yeah. Subliminal, subliminal sexual images. They are in there, folks. They're really there. And, and, and you say, well, the kid can't get it. No, that mind picks it up. You may not see it during the cartoon, but their mind gets it. Yeah. And it's wickedness. And so the Bible says, love not the world. And so these things that the world puts all this stuff into, you know, let's just talk about sports for a minute. An organized sports, you know. How can you serve God and have to spend 20 hours a week practicing to, to, to do nothing but say, I'm better than you. That's pride, folks. That's the yeah. pride of life. Yeah. Am I telling the truth? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are the champions, my friend. Yeah. It's all pride. Mm -hmm. And that is the pride of life. Now, am I against sports? We'll play basketball. We'll play soccer. I think it's healthy. But when it gets to that organized level and all of that, it's a problem. Yeah. And, and you can't serve God and serve sports. It doesn't work. I played hockey in high school. Mm -hmm. I was a pretty good goaltender, actually, and, and, and I didn't wear a mask, can't you tell? <laughs> you got hit by that butt quite a bit, hallelujah. And, and, so, and, and so I know what it's like to spend hours practicing and all of those things and going everywhere. I didn't have time for God. Yeah. And you know what the reality of it is? When you fall in love with God, you're going to fall in love with people. And you aren't going to want to waste hours, hours a, a week when somebody needs God. Does this make sense? So the love of Christ constrains us. It, we do change. And the things that, that we used to really put effort into lose their value to us uh, because they're part of that pride of life and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. You know, today, uh, 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 fashion, it just it amazes me how much is put into fashion. And, and people have closets worth thousands and thousands of dollars. And, and the funny thing about the fashion world is uh, every five years it recycles. So yeah. don't throw away that stuff. Just keep Amen. it there and five years later it will come back into fashion. Amen. Amen. Am I telling the truth? Yeah. Yeah. We got people that have racked up thousands of dollars of credit card debt trying to buy the newest fashion that's going to be out of fashion in less than a few weeks. Yes, Lord. And yeah. we've got missionaries that are starving on the field. Yeah. You see, when you, when you get constrained by the love of God and the love of Christ, it thinks just the way the world works, it doesn't make sense anymore. And, and, and it doesn't feel right. And so really, really, your life changes. And it's that love of God. I'm not into worldly entertainment anymore. It just doesn't do it for me. Listen, folks, I was a Doors fan. Man, when I grew up, Led Zeppelin, The Doors, Boston, Journey, and all that stuff, and Talking Heads, and, and, uh, and I was an MTV, MTV child, and I did some crazy things under that influence, and it just don't, I'm telling you, it don't work. And by the way, there's Christian music that's just as worldly. Yeah. yeah. You best be yeah. careful. And I have never in my life heard Christian rap. There is no such thing as Christian rap. There is a spirit behind rap. Mark my word. Hallelujah. And it's not of God. It's not of God. I don't care what the words say, the tone and the undertone. I mean, how is it in this society where they talk about hate speech? They glorify rappers that talk about raping yes, women and killing amen, police. Amen. Kind of tells you how crazy this world is, right? Yes. Yeah. My goodness, we've got people that are destroying society, making millions of dollars. We've got folks that can do nothing more than throw around a football and beat their wives. Yeah. Violent crime is five times higher in the football in football players than it is in, 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 in regular America. Yeah. And they're making millions of dollars and our teachers don't have enough money for pencils. Yeah. Yeah. We're an upside down nation. Yeah. But when you get the love of Christ, 
your, your thinking does change. Yeah. And before you get the love of Christ, your thinking is stinking, just like mine was. Hallelujah. Yeah. But it changes things. How many want God's spirit to give you a clear vision and the understanding of what's really important and what is not so that your time and your money and everything you do has eternal value, not just temporal value? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, who won the Super Bowl? Nobody, really. Because I've already sold their soul down the stream. So they're already losers. Think about that. Hallelujah. So the love of Christ constrains us and, the, and, and we're really not, we don't tamp into the worldly treasures and the worldly pleasures and all of that stuff. It all goes away. And a good Holy Ghost service like we had Sunday night is what you're looking for. I can't wait to get back to church and feel what I felt. I can't wait to get my friend to the altar and watch them get their life put back together by the hands of the living God. Amen. It's a total different dynamic. Is this all right? So the first constrainment or the first channeling that I would call it under the love of, of Christ is our love for him really does change our lifestyle. And let me tell you that it does take time. It's not immediately overnight. It doesn't just happen. We grow into it and God reveals things more and more as we grow in God. And, and you, you, if you, you'll feel things and you, you come and ask me if you, if you, you know, I feel like God's dealing with me about this and. And, and I'll help you. And by the way, there's things that God has dealt with me about in my own life that is not an issue for somebody else that's a brother on the pew. Golf became a God to me, and I had to give it up, and I did. Is golf a sin? No. But getting up early to go golfing all the time and not being able to get up early to pray, that is a sin. Getting so frustrated because I made a missed stroke. Hallelujah. Trying to get down below 70-something and getting mad about it, that, folks, is crazy. We've got more important things to do. Spending six hours on a golf court when the world's going to hell, we got more important things to do. Does this make sense? Hallelujah. But some people can control it. I can't. But there are brothers that can go out and shoot a round of golf, and, and they won't be thinking about it the rest of the week. It's fine for them. Is this okay? Yeah, amen. So the love of Christ will constrain us even in our personal life, not in a global aspect of the church, but just what we do personally because we want to be effective and don't want anything in our flesh to get in the way. And then, you know, you know the love of Christ will really um, impact our relationships with others. Jesus said, the law said to hate your enemies, but I tell you now love them. That's so contrary to human nature. Turn the other cheek. You see, when you realize that every soul you meet has an eternal destiny, it changes your whole dynamic. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what they do, your hope and your prayers that somehow they get in the hand of the master. Because you fully understand that anybody that gets in Christ becomes a new creature. That's what Paul was writing about. When he said the love of Christ constraineth us. And he begins to tap into that. And, and it's so powerful. And it's so true. In the book of John, uh, John chapter 15 now, chapter 10, we're still in John. In a large part of these scriptures because John was the apostle of love. Much of his subject was love. But he says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. That's pretty powerful. If we don't keep his commandments, guess what? The opposite's happening. Yeah, yeah. I don't care what the fake preachers say. I don't care what the guy that's preaching for money tells you. If you don't keep his commandments, you will not abide in his love. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. You can find some slick-tongued dude to tell you otherwise, but aren't you glad you got a pastor that's yeah. going to tell you that, that loves you enough to tell you the truth? And I, I try not to do it with a mean spirit, and hopefully I don't, you know. And, but sometimes I get so angry at this world, it may appear that I'm angry at you. I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at hell, I promise you. But anyways, he said, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Again, fully human. Obedient to the scripture, obedient to the, uh, obedient to the spirit, obedient to the cross. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This love of Christ brings a true joy into us. And you know, in a family, there's no greater joy than the birth of a new baby. Amen. And let me tell you, the church is the mama 
and God is the Father. And so this love of Christ, the greatest joy that the church has is seeing folks born again of water and spirit. Yes. And it's incredible. Yes. And when you're involved in the work of God and watching people being trans, there's, there's no greater joy than that. That's more exciting than winning a, a gold medal. That's more exciting than becoming a CEO. Hallelujah. It's awesome. It's real joy. It's real joy. Get your hands in the harvest. If you're lacking in joy, go get out there in the harvest. First of all, you realize you don't got it as bad as you think you do. When you start working with people and see how messed up their lives are, it'll give you a whole new perspective on how bad your life really isn't. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then there's this great joy that comes. So he said, he said, I'm giving you my joy. I'm giving you my joy. And it's real. And, uh, and then he said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Amen. Greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. And so, so we have this love of Christ, which really does change our mentality and our lifestyle. But then that love actually moves in us and causes us to, to love others. He said, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And let me tell you, Jesus was a patient man. Peter was not an easy individual to disciple, hallelujah, and grow. And he had plenty of other ones. And so when we look at the life of Christ, you need to understand that his deep love allowed him to give great leeway to people's errors and to people's sin, by the way, not condemning them, but lifting them up, uh, uh, not excusing them, but lifting them up. There's a big difference. Hallelujah. And by the way, when you truly love God and love people, it will give you a great openness uh, to the different natures of people. And, and all of a sudden, things that rubbed you wrong won't rub you wrong anymore. Folks, we got a bunch of different personalities. We got a bunch of different types. Uh, hallelujah. We got to let people be people. Yeah. They're not all going to fit. Aren't you glad we're not cookie cutter Christians? Aren't you glad we aren't all the same thing? It would be boring in church. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that there's folks with different personalities and all of that. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, so John, John again writes in 1 John 4 and 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Hallelujah. Paul put it this way in the book of Romans 5 and 5, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God, the love of God, not human love. Now this is a supernatural love. It is a dynamic love. It comes from God. It supersedes everything. It's a love so deep that you can have an enemy literally killing you. And you can pray, Father, put this not to your to their charge. Stephen, as he was stoned, as he was dying, he said he looked up and saw God and said, Jesus, hallelujah. Because God is Jesus, hallelujah. And he said, put this not to their charge. Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not. Not what they do. This is a supernatural love. Human love by itself does seek vengeance, does seek revenge. But this love of God, which is supernatural, the Bible says, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Let me tell you, when you walk full of the Spirit, it's hard to have any enemies. People can do you wrong. And your human nature is going to buck up. And you're going to feel like you want to get back. That's human nature. That's humanity. Jesus felt the exact same thing, by the way. But if you're full of the Holy Ghost, it'll tamp it all back down. Because you realize the eternal nature of everything that's going on. Hallelujah. And so we have this great love of God and it causes us to love people, all people. And it doesn't matter who they are, what they are, what they've done, and even what they're doing to us at that particular moment. You love their soul. You understand the eternal ramifications. You look at Jesus, and I'm just going to read one example. We're about done if the musicians want to come. Or the musician, hallelujah, singular. Uh, let's pray for Leah and our others. But uh, Luke chapter 19 and verse number 2, this is Jesus now, and the Bible tells us, Behold, uh, there was a man named Zacchaeus, 
which was the chief among the publicans. He was hated by his nation because he was a tax collector. And these guys were in cahoots with the Roman soldiers. And they robbed their Jewish brethren of money through taxation. They enriched themselves and enriched the Roman soldiers by overtaxing people. And uh, really quite, quite remarkable. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. How did he get rich? Off the backs of his brethren. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and he could not for the press because he was little of stature. He was a short guy. Hallelujah. That's what that means, by the way. And by the way, for all of our Hispanics, Jesus said, you can't add a little bit of height to yourself by worrying. He put that in the book for the Spanish population. So tease our, our Spanish congregation about that. All those folks from Mexico and Honduras and all of that, their average height is about four inches slower than, than us gringos. But anyway, so we used to have a good time with that. Hallelujah. But, but he was short and he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus. Now listen, Jesus knew exactly who he was. He called him by name. He knew this man's wickedness and what he had done to the Jewish people by literally taking their money and defrauding them and being in cahoots with the Roman armies. So Jesus looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, make haste, hurry up. And come down for today, I must abide at thy house. I'm not going to the religious house. I'm not going to the one that's got it all together, Zacchaeus. I've got to go to your house. See, the love of Christ constrains yes. us. That's why you'll find me out in the rough areas of town, walking into places that are so broken, talking to people that are half stoned out of their mind, telling them about the love of Christ, getting their phone number so that I can get a text to them when they're sober. How do I do that? I have been in so many rough places. I've seen so many things. I used to door knock in Durham where the police wouldn't go. And people said, you're crazy. But no, no, no. God will take care of me. And he did. I almost got killed a couple times. But he did. Hallelujah. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must abide at thy house. Jesus knew that it was going to cause trouble for him. Jesus understood that the religious people that did not have love, the self-righteous people that did not have the love of God, would never understand his actions and him going with what a sinner, so-called sinner. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Now this man, Zacchaeus, you'll see, he, 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 got, he got right with God. He really did. And that's why Jesus went with him. But verse 7 says, And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be the guest with a man that is a sinner. See, the love of God constrains us. I love good fellowship with the saints. I really do. When we got on that boat, it was awesome. 800 apostolic saints, good people, solid people, cleansed in the blood, living for God. And there's nothing like it having this sweet fellowship here with people that got their act together. Hallelujah. But the love of God channels us out into that world to reach those that are broken. We can't be satisfied just coming to church and having a hallelujah time. The love of God will put a burden in your soul for the broken in this city. Hallelujah. And, you, and you're not satisfied just having high church. You want to take what you got out there. Jesus, just examples. Jesus had to go through Samaria, John 4. He just met with the greatest religious leader named Nicodemus in John 3. But he had to go through Samaria. He wasn't supposed to. He was a Jew. But he went to meet one woman at a well that had been married five times and was living with a man that wasn't his, her husband. And he said, if you knew the gift, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you living water. And this is the first person in the book of John that he revealed he was the Messiah to. Not the great Jewish leader in John 3, not the disciples, but to this broken woman. The love of Christ constraineth us. Our lives are spent for others. Paul said, I willingly spend and will be spent for you. We want to help people. Jesus touched the leper. He said, I know if you want to, you can make me clean. And he said, I will. And he touched him. That was forbidden in the law. 
but Jesus was the great high priest. Are you willing to touch the leper of our society? Or do you kind of just shy away from the one that's dirty and smells and struggling and broken? Oh, the love of Christ, it constrains us. It constrains us. It makes us reach out to people that we wouldn't. Jesus ministered to a legionnaire, a great man of high stature in the Roman army, not even a Jew, and he ministered to him. Let me tell you, that love of God will cause you to reach to the lowest places and to the highest places and everything in between. Jesus ministered to Mary Magdalene. There were two women that were the closest to Jesus in his ministry. It was Mary, his mother, and Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute and was filled with seven devils. And who knows all that she did, but Jesus cast out those devils. And the first one to see the resurrected, resurrected Christ was Mary Magdalene. He made sure Mary is me. It's the love of Christ. It's the love of Christ. Jesus made his way to heal the demoniac that nobody could control and nobody wanted to be around. The book of Mark chapter 2, it's written this way, verse 15, it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. So Jesus is now having a meal with all of these sinners, all these horrible people. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto him, unto his disciples, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he got mad. I'm telling you, he got mad. He saith unto him, that they that are whole have no need of the physician. But they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous but sinners, now this is essential, to repentance. You see, the love of Christ does not make excuses for people's sin. You go and reach them to bring them to a place of repentance. I've heard so many people say you're judgmental, you don't love people. No, 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 no. No, not at all. In fact, you make a judgment call every time you decide if someone needs to be witnessed to or not. You're not putting them in heaven and hell, but you're looking at a situation saying, I know that someone can heal you. Is it wrong for me to tell somebody, man, you've got a nasty cough. It sounds like pneumonia. You need to get to the doctor. I'm not being judgmental. I'm trying to be helpful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's all right to tell somebody you're living in adultery. You need to get to the great physician. He can heal you of that. That's not being judgmental. It's being helpful. Is this all right, folks? Let's yeah. our hands under the Lord. Unfortunately, today, people have twisted the love of Christ into an excuse for sin. And the apostle wrote, he said, they've taken the grace of God and turned it into licentiousness, which is, which is a license to sin and, and lasciviousness and, and all of that. Let me tell you, the love of Christ is not, not, does not cause people to excuse sin. It causes people to reach to the sinner, to bring them to the only one who can heal them of their sin. The love of Christ does not change the message because the message is what sets people free. Hallelujah. We don't change the message. We don't all of a sudden say it's okay to be homosexual. It's not a sin when the Bible says it is a sin. We don't hate the homosexual. We love the homosexual to an altar where they can find a God that will change them. Yes, absolutely. Just like he did with me and alcohol. Does this make sense? We're not mean. I have friends that are homosexual. I'm not mean to them. No, the love of Christ is not that way. But does this make sense? The love of Christ says, no, you cannot live together and be saved. It doesn't work. You cannot have that relationship and not be married and be saved. That's the love of Christ. We're not condemning. We're saying, folks, I'll help you. I've been, I've talked to folks. Listen, the vast majority of people that I knock their door and they're a couple, they are living together in Tampa. The vast majority. Do I condemn them? No. I said, let, let me help you, man. I'd love to see you get married. Let's do some counseling. Let's get it together. Hallelujah. So God can bless you. And isn't it crazy we live in a society where older folks that are widows and widowers lose their social security if they marry? How nuts is that? In other words, you're trying to force people to live in fornication so that they can keep their benefits. Well, they earn those benefits in the first place. But a bunch of... Crooked politicians have already spent their social security. But anyways, sorry about that. <laughs> okay. 
So, so we, with the love of Christ, are called to the sick. Not to condemn them, but to help them. The Apostle Paul writes this. This is very powerful. He said, for though I be free from all men. He said, I'm, I'm free. I don't owe anybody anything. Yet have I made myself servant unto all. That word servant is a slave. The love of Christ, you will be a servant. It's a servant mentality. And he said, so to the Jew, I became a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To the Gentiles, I became a Gentile that I might gain the Gentiles. He said, I, I changed my culture so I could win them. He didn't say I changed my religion. There's a big difference. This is important. Right? Cultures don't define religion. Christianity is its own culture. And it has its own rules. And, but it's filled with people from all different cultures. Then that's cool. I love it. This place is that way. But we don't change the truth. But we do impact and we do change our behavior. Hallelujah. To help people. Is this awesome? It's the love of Christ. It constrains us. Let's clap our hands under the Lord. Sister Foles is going to start singing. Let me tell you, the love of God does not condone sin. It's not hate when you define sin. Paul wrote in Corinthians, Know ye not, the righteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he begins to name it out. Be not deceived. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, that's homosexuals, abusers themselves with mankind. That's the tattoo parlors and the piercings, all of that. That's what that is. Hallelujah. And said, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. He's not being hateful. He's just saying, folks, uh, you need an answer. And he goes on to say, and such were past tense, some of you, because the promise is, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And all those old things pass away and all things become new. And he said, such were some of you, but ye are washed. Uh, ye are sanctified. Ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. We got a better way. That's the love of Christ. Not condemnation. Not condemnation. Nor acceptance. But pointing to the better way. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. You know, I'm just going to finish with this particular story of Jesus. A rich young ruler came to him and said, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, I, Jesus, you know the commandments. He said, I've kept them all. And the Bible says, then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. He didn't hate him. And said unto him, one thing thou lackest. He wasn't hating him. He was telling him, this is the issue that's keeping you from the kingdom. Go sell everything that you have and give to the poor because your money is your God. He didn't hate him. He loved him. Aren't you glad you got a doctor that loves you enough to prescribe you medicine when you need it? Aren't you glad you got a pastor that loves you enough to prescribe you truth when you need it? The love of Christ is awesome. Let's just lift our hands and worship as Sister Foles sings.